You're listening to a Broadmoor Podcast production. This week on the podcast, we are diving into Josh's talk from Sunday where he wrapped up chapter 15 of Romans. We cover some of the things Josh wishes he had time to go into with his talk, along with specific prayer requests we would have as members of a church staff. We also talk about the example Paul sets in submitting to the work God has set before him, even as it pulls him away from his desire to venture to the church in Rome. All of this and more on After the Message. Good morning. Welcome good to the morning, podcast. Good morning, Neil. Neil. Yeah. Good morning. Good, good morning. New host today. What are you doing? Yeah, you guys get an upgrade from Mike Hate. <laughs> it's about time. We got complaint after complaint after complaint, so I just had to... We had to let him go? Yep. For I wish you'd have sat in his seat, though. I'm way confused this I'm morning. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm so sorry. Sean's in his seat, though. Sort of. You are scooted over a little bit. So, Sean, you want yeah. to just call an audible, and you can just host since you're nope. in the special. Nope, you took all the notes beforehand. So. All right, Neil is a preparer. He's got all the notes. All That's right. Sixteen yeah. journal pages. Can't, Let's see if we get through it. Cannot read any of it. <laughs> but I have a whole lot of notes. Hey, how was your weekend? It was good. Yeah, good weekend. It was a real fun weekend. Hey, Mother's Day. <laughs> it was Mother's how Day. How was y'all's Mother's Day? So we did ours on Saturday because Jennifer worked on Sunday. Uh-huh. So our Mother's Day was Saturday. And then we went and visited grandparents Fine. on Sunday. What did y'all do? We went to my parents' house, and I had a probably the highlight of my day. I got to go see my grandmother. Mm. Oh, sweet. Um, I don't get to see her often. She's, she's in a um, care facility, um, has uh, dementia. And but yesterday was just a day of clarity, mm. um, and so when I walked in the room, like to hear her call my name, and um, when we were leaving, she was like, "Hey, Sean, do you do you mind coming and praying mm. for me?" Mm. Oh gosh, y'all! Like That's awesome. I, like I wanted, like yes, and I did, but I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to make it through this." <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, sweet, sweet lady, and probably a piece of information that is essential to my story is my grandmother was one of the first people that looked at me and said, I believe God has something special for your life. Wow. And so she, she means a whole lot to me. And wow. just, uh, so it's cool. Mo- it was a cool moment. Highlight of Mother's That's Day. That's fantastic. So, what a great gift to yeah. both of you. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was a really cool moment. So, yeah. You had a great weekend. Yeah. We went to the park with the kids. That was fun. <laughs> Katie had a speaking gig that she was doing with a bunch of women on Saturday. So I had all the kids. We went to the park. Your story's way better. And then <laughs> I was going to beat that. Icing on the cake. Uh, I bought myself a crawfish pot for Katie's yeah. Mother's Day. That's what I'm talking <laughs> so about. So it was fantastic. <laughs> I think you're missing the point. <laughs> well, in, in my mind, I was going to cook her She's crawfish. She's going to enjoy the crawfish. That's exactly right. <laughs> it's and all so about her. I didn't intend to do that. I just. That's awesome. I didn't intend it. Anyway. I come back and, you know, I was proud of myself. I got a deal on it. <laughs> and uh, I come home and I got her a bunch of stuff for the garden that she's she's planting and loving that. And and uh, she said, hey, what'd you get? I was like, oh, I got a new crawfish pot. Come check it out. She's like, you bought you a crawfish pot? <laughs> like, us? A crawfish pot? <laughs> Too late. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> for Mother's Day? Uh, uh, yeah, oh. 
Yeah, it sorry. was a better idea in my head before. Way I was- <laughs> better, but the crawfish were great. So, or want a downward spiral from Sean to Josh? Yeah. And Mark, sorry about that. How much lower can you go? I bought a grill this week. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Yeah, but it's easy for her because if I'm grilling, she's cooking less. See, there it is. It's all about the wife. That's exactly <laughs> I right. Think we're twisting it. <laughs> no, I, I think it's exactly right. I might have uh, bought Dara a shotgun for our wedding gift. <laughs> <laughs> that does not surprise me. Which I hunt with a lot, <laughs> but it's hers. Uh, Got her shotgun Mark, and pearls. So that's what we I'm not kidding. That was her wedding gift. Uh, shotgun and pearls. Well, man, it was a good weekend. Um, <laughs> yes. Hey, Sunday sermon time. What a great morning mm. Sunday was. Um, starting off, we talked, to, did an update to our church family on the shelter initiative. Yeah. Things that stood out to you guys about that. Yeah, for, for me, I think, um, number one, I think it was a great day to do the shelter initiative update because there were a lot of people. Mother's Day's just historically a, a much larger crowd, like more people attend on that day. So it's great to give that update and a call to join. Um, for, for people to jump in. So I've heard from a couple of people, hey, I, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. I want to I wanna do it. So like even just this morning, like somebody was like, hey, who's the CPS rep? I want to go ahead and start the application mm-hmm. for foster care. Um, yeah. So just really cool. Just even out of that was, was absolutely great. I think it was affirming, too, for our people to hear us stay on top of it. I think a lot of times we'll do an initiative and they feel like it was an initiative mm-hmm. that just lasted for that time. But I think a report said to people, no, we're still in the game, and this isn't a, a one-year initiative. This is going to be a part of who we are in the years to come, mm-hmm. and I think the way we said that yesterday, the way Josh presented it was, be confident. We're not we're not letting go of this. Mm-hmm. We're going to yeah. keep pressing in. It was good. Yeah, so good. Awesome. Okay, so looking at Romans 15, mm-hmm. anything that you wish you'd had more time I mean, I got a list of things I'd like for us to talk about, but like for you, what are some of the things that, yeah, man, I just wish I had more time? Sure. So the end of 15 and all of 16 are pretty unique um, for, for me specifically, and I think for anybody who's going to teach through it, because as I alluded to in the beginning of the sermon, the first part is all like doctrine and theology, and then you get into the to the middle and the later part of the letter, and it's all application. So, I mean, you're just it's incredible ammunition to be firing out of a, a sermon gun, right? So, so you're just rolling. Then you get to the last half a chapter of 15 and then all of 16, and it becomes, in my opinion, more difficult um, because it's not deeply theological. Um, it's, it's not overtly applicable. Um, and, and, and really, a lot of times, we'll, if we're just reading it in ourselves, we're like, okay, the letter's over. Let's go to the next one. Well, there's a lot of good stuff there. Uh, and so if, if we were, you know, I'm thankful that we have the time that we have, but even like to go a little bit slower, um, to look more at what it looks like to, to see the Apostle Paul and his ask of, of the Roman Christians was, hey, I want you to pray for me. I want you to, to intercede on my behalf. And I, I don't know if other people feel this way, but even as a pastor, sometimes I feel like, okay. I'm going to ask you to pray for me, but I just want you to, like, just, in general, just pray. He asked them two specific things, and 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 for me, that, that was a big weight because I, I feel a lot of times as a pastor, preacher, Christian leader, like, some of the same thing. He, he prayed specifically that he would have favor with the unbelievers or the unbelievers wouldn't get him, um, and then also for the believers to be open to the mission that, that God had sent him on personally. So, it wasn't even just generality. And so there was a part of me um, that wanted to spend more time on it, but also just personally, 
I wonder if I know myself enough in the call that's on my life to, to look at, at Sean or Mark or, or Neil or Chase in the room and say, brothers, I need you to pray for me specifically with this because I know God has given me this call. God has given me this dream, this passion, and I can't do it unless you join me in praying for these things to happen. Hmm. I just don't know if I'd, I'd do that. It's more, hey, you guys just pray for me. It'd be great. Thanks. Mm-hmm. And just going about my day. So uh, for me, that was one that if we had another day, I would camp out there. Hmm. So if we could maybe camp yeah. on that just a little bit right now. So as as um, as the lead pastor at Broadmoor, mm-hmm. and I'm probably going to pitch this question to all of us, what would be the things you'd most want people to be praying for you as the as the pastor, like to on your behalf be interceding for? Yeah, I, I certainly should have saw that question coming uh, and had a better answer <laughs> than what I'm about to have. I'm like, oh, just pray for me. I'm generally. panicking over here. Hang on, <laughs> talk slow. <laughs> um, so now I'll preface it with this. So like, if I had another week to preach just that that yeah. section of 15. Um, I think one of the things I've learned to love the most, weirdly growing up, I, I saw these as weakness, which is silly, silly, absolutely silly, um, but books of prayer. Um, not books on prayer, but books of prayer. Um, so like the Book of Common Prayer, uh, growing up being Baptist and the elitism that sometimes we have as Baptist uh, and elitism being very arrogant. That other denominations, uh, how how mm. dare you look at somebody else's writings? You can pray right. your own prayer. Very baptistic in that. Um, but as I've grown up, man, like the Valley of Vision is one of my go-tos every day um, because there's sometimes I don't have the words to say, or at least I, I can't articulate the words to say that like I want, but then I'll sit and I'll read the Puritans. I'll, I'll sit and read the Psalms. And, and see how, how the psalmist would pray or, or the Puritans would pray and, and, and begin to read those, and they help me express what's in my heart. So going back to this, I think even following Paul's, I don't think it was a model, but it can be because he gave two things. He gave one for unbelievers and one for believers. Uh, and so at Broadmoor, I think as we lead in an increasingly secular city, um, you know, we, we are in the Bible Belt, but stats tell us we, we are not the majority anymore, um, that even Christians aren't the majority in the city that we live in, um, that God would give us favor there in ministry with, with them. I, I don't fear like an attack. I don't, I don't fear like physical fear, um, but there is a fear increasingly that we we won't be seen or or heard in a way that maybe we we had a chance in the past, mm. um, but also to to believers that that God would give us an opportunity to speak there as well and to give clarity and to to call to action mm. in a way that's going to be honoring to Him. Mm. That's good for you guys. What would it be the? Um, so I was thinking about that. I think for me, <clears throat> I was trying to think of how to word this that I would pay attention to what's most important. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, sit, sitting in the chairs we sit in, we, we have to pay attention to so many different things, mm-hmm. um, just within the church, but then just take life. Uh, I mean, just having kids, family, all the other stuff that goes on. Uh, I think oftentimes we we feel the need to run to everything, Um and just to have the discernment and guidance of the Holy Spirit to say what what matters most. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that that's difficult as a pastor. Um, and so I, I think that that would be the prayer that I would ask. That's good. That's good. How about you? Um, I, I think I'm the oldest guy in this room. Just really. Sad. You are ancient. Ancient. Uh, wow, Mark. Yeah. Ancient. Like, but I think when you, when you've been in ministry for a long time, you you can get in a groove of being a professional minister. And I would pray for. I would ask for those to pray that I would hold on to the authenticity of my faith, genuinely abiding in Him, and not just being a professional minister. Yeah. Mm. But that it would be real and fresh and mm-hmm. that I would pursue him um, with a with a real deep conviction and um, and not just go through the motions of being a minister for 100 years. Yeah. I think that's one of mine. I think exactly that, which is that I would approach him as my father and me as his, as his adopted son rather than a taskmaster. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other one is me struggling with the sense of being overly responsible for everything, um, but instead living with some liberty. Um, th- those are my two. That's good. The cool thing is for me, as, as we talk through this, having people in our lives that we can all talk through as just uh-huh. as followers of Jesus in our life, so we can bounce those ideas off of others and hear my small group meets and, and they have calling inside their business areas or my wife as a nurse, mm-hmm. gospel callings there. Um, to put those things and to share those things with one another. Um, so with that being said, though, when I look at going to something you said, Josh, I'm curious about the idea. I think it was in verse well, 22 about Paul's hindrance, his personal ambition. Mm-hmm. Like all of, I hear us talking about our ambitions and goals and mm. what we want to provide. Like talk more about what that means that his ambition was his hindrance. Sure. Yeah. So I think uh, to use a quippy statement, um, just because it's a, a good thing doesn't mean it's a God thing. Uh, and I think for him, it would be good for him to go to Rome and hang out with the guys and girls that that he had fond memory or at least uh, affection for, right? And um, but for him to say, "Hey, the job's not done though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want to come. I would. I want. I want to just come and, and be ministered to, and I want to minister to you and and us just kind of do life together." Uh, but for him, God's call in his life hindered him. From coming because he had a, a job to do, and so for us this would be another stopping point if we had another week to to teach on because we see this throughout Scripture. I believe that God's call in our life should supersede everything else, and then like there are some days we can say, okay, well that's God and that's not, and that's easy. But how do you how do you wrestle with something that's really, really, really good, but not what God wants for you? Period or not what God wants for you right now. Mm. Um, and, and that's a tension because a lot of times we like the idea of God's plan, but we want it on our time. And I think what we see in that moment is a tension of, I think God is going to desire him to go to Rome because at some point he ends up in Rome. That's where he dies. Um, but he wanted to come then, but he couldn't because he had to go. So there had to be something in him that wrestled with, all right, I know I want to do that, but God's calling me to go. So I've got to listen to God more than what I want to do. Mm. It's hard, especially because there's real value in him going. Yeah. I mean, it's not a bad decision. No. I just don't great. on paper to go be with his people. Yeah. But there was a, a hindrance. And I think we all we all sense that um, well, I could do something good, mm-hmm. 
But for the sake of the mission, I'm going to say no to follow through on what I sense God calling me to do. But that's sometimes a little more complicated. I mean, it, it's, yeah. it, it takes a little more selflessness and a little more prayer and thoughtfulness. Um, and I think, I think we struggle with that. Uh, in that case, I think relationally, I would definitely lean toward, I want to go be with my people. Yeah. Rather than I may not lean toward, okay, I'm going to sacrifice that to go do something more difficult for the sake of the mission. Yeah. Um, because I can justify it. Yeah. I, I said the whole complicated piece. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at this, I mean, Paul's desire was to go to Spain. Mm-hmm. Like, and felt that, I think felt God was leading, like, but he never makes it there. Right. <laughs> so, so is that Paul's plan or is that God's plan? Right. right. The, the second thing is he ends up in Rome. Like he says, I'm, I can't get to you because I've got other things to do. Right. He ends up in Rome, and it's still not according to the way that he saw mm-hmm, that he might mm-hmm. get to Rome. And I think, like as I read this, and I, and I read about you know Paul's just describing his journey, and he describes this loop that he's been on and all of his missionary journeys, and he can't seem to get beyond a certain point to make it to Spain. I think the the complicated part is to recognize that even though there's this there's this idea in our mind of there's this call to go there that every moment we live in mm. has been ordained by God and that we're right where we need to be. Mm-hmm. Like, the, So you see that in Paul's life. You see him, he gets beaten, he gets put in prison, he's shipwrecked. He's like everything that's working against him, and he never sees that as, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to be able to accomplish God's plan. Yeah. Instead, he goes, nope, this is where I am. Let me proclaim the gospel. Yeah, that's right. And and so, it, it's just this, like you said, a complicated thing yeah. of of just maintaining that tension of going, "Hey God, I'm going to trust that you have me exactly where you want me." And how do you, you know? How do you battle that of of realizing that God, you feel like God has this mm-hmm. plan for you to go to Spain or to do this great thing, but to be submissive to exactly where life takes you right like there's that that interesting tension there i have a great i have a funny story about this yeah uh, so back in the day sean and i were working together and i remember us going through a bible study where we were we'd committed to like we we're gonna pitch pick up hitchhikers like we were, what <laughs> yeah. yeah okay so yeah like I remember. we were doing some uncomfortable we were like what's yeah. something to make us uncomfortable right oh, and so we were like gosh. look for the next whatever it was we're gonna just do this thing right and we're gonna that's that's what we were gonna yeah. do and i remember, I remember there was a guy on the road who I was going by and I picked him up. I was so excited, right? Now he gets in my car and he leans over and he starts putting his hand towards his back pocket. Oh boy. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm done. Like this is it's game over. And he reaches into his wallet, pulls out a card and the card reads, whatever his name was, um, my name is George. I've had a traumatic brain injury. I cannot speak. And I'm like, oh, well, how do I know? We're, like how this is gonna how do I know where we're gonna go? My goal is I'm 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 gonna take him wherever he says to go, right? So he starts communicating. It's he's trying to get down to the Mississippi Gulf Coast. So I'm like, well, dude, I can't take you there. <laughs> but so I take him to Walmart. I load him up with stuff like uh, poncho, all mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Take him to McDonald's. He's getting kind of irritated. I'm I'm getting him ready for his voyage. I'm doing as much as I can, right? <laughs> and uh, pull out to the get on the interstate. He gets really upset with me. I'm like, I don't know what I've done wrong. So he starts pointing back to where we came from. So 
We drive back to where we were at the house. He gets out of the car. Come to find out, he was simply trying to walk to his next door neighbor's house. No. <laughs> where was going? Who was going to bring him down to the coast? <laughs> what? Why did he get in your truck? No. So as I'm listening, you know, uh, the lesson That's for me was- That's not a real story. No, it's really- it's, it's, No, I did that. <laughs> no, no, seriously. And so for me, it was, I had this master plan, this ambition thing, right? Yeah. But in the moment, I stopped paying attention to what was going around me to where God was at work and made this whole, like, I complicated the whole thing up. That is funny. That is <laughs> That is my right. story, guys. Yeah. Over and over, I will, see the, I will see the end and forget in the moment where mm, God is mm. at work and I will completely yeah. take it and just like- <laughs> Miss on the beautiful thing right in front of me. Oh, I man. love that story. I made it fit into my goal rather yep. than what that's God right. was doing. Yeah, that's right. That's that's the tension. Yeah. Good stuff. The other thing you said in the sermon was <laughs> you, you painted this picture for me around the map that Paul, I think it's around verse 23, hmm? that he looks around at all the things. He's, there's no place else to go. No more room for work in the region. Yeah. Man, talk about that mm-hmm. for a second. Yeah. And, you know... I, I don't know what that would be like. That would, that would be like, man, I've, I've preached all there is to preach. I've, everybody's heard. Every, I've, I've gone everywhere. Now, I don't know if that's – there's a joke among preachers, uh, and I don't know if this is general like just across the board, but like preacher math, right? So uh, if you are at an event that you planned as a preacher, somebody asks how many came, and there's 20 people there, and you're like, oh, well, 50 people came. Uh, and so a lot of times there there is this uh, tongue-in-cheek, jovial embellishment, as it were. I don't know if that's this right now for for the Apostle Paul of I've literally preached everywhere there is to preach. Um, Or if this was, hey, I do believe that my ministry is coming to a close Mm. here or transitioning out. But the way it reads is, man, he's he did it all like he came to do work because that would be his personality. Like there's work to be done. We've got to see it accomplished. And he accomplishes all of it that is there for him to accomplish. So he's ready to roll. For me, that was pretty awesome for yeah. for him to. Mm-hmm. I think to I think there's picture. another another little piece to that too, though. Like going into that, did Paul actually preach everywhere? And but there's something else he indicates in here, and even as we go into next week's mm-hmm. right, so we'll get there and talk about that a little bit. But he also says in there, I I didn't want to preach on someone else's foundation, right? So there was also a trust by Paul. That there were others doing the work. That's right, and and we see evidence that he was sending, like he's sending Timothy. He's he's knowing that Apollos is also preaching over here. That's right. And so there was this there was this incredible camaraderie and mm-hmm. and shared mission That's that right. there were other workers and they were they were taking right. the gospel to this region. And so I don't I don't think it was the necessarily that Paul. Like he preached at every That's single right. stop, but he understood that they had collectively done the work through that region yeah. to say Christ has been proclaimed. That's right. So I think there's another piece of that, but but yeah. But to to that point, I, there's a part of it, and again, if if there were time, and I don't know if I would have done this yesterday, but at some point, it's it's worth doing. The different offices that that yeah. are in the church. Oh yeah. Um, that Paul was not a pastor. Right. Um, Paul was an apostle. And he was an evangelist, and so he, and that's different. So a lot of times we right. just lump any communicator of Bible things into a preacher or teacher, where there are many and multiple mm-hmm. offices, and they're very specific. Um, so for the evangelist role, and that's why I believe that Paul says, "I'm not here to preach on somebody else's foundation that they've built." That's what a pastor would do. Not that that's bad. 
Like that wasn't a negative or derogatory statement. But what he's saying is, I am the apostle. I, and not every, like, again, I believe apostolic work ends when all the apostles die, right? So you may hear of somebody call themselves an apostle today. They're just giving themselves a name. An apostle is somebody who saw Jesus and was commissioned by Jesus to go do the work. That's why the road to Damascus was such a big deal for, for the apostle Paul. So he's an apostle. He's an evangelist, not a pastor. So he lays the foundation, and then he trains up a Timothy to come in and, and pastor mm-hmm. in that foundation that he mm-hmm. set up. Right. So that was his job and his role. So when he says the work is done, doesn't mean all the work was completed and everybody's sound right. and good. It was he laid his foundation that, that God trusted to him, and now it's time to go do that elsewhere as pastors would now come in and faithfully lead the congregations or the people who would be there. That's good. That is good. So I want to. I think I'm going to loop back up. How do you guys personally, in your in your roles, but just let's just say as disciples of Christ, how do you know, have clarity on what is yours to do and what is not? Like the to go back to yours, I think Sean, your prayer request was to know the most important thing, the most excellent thing for you and your calling. How do you guys discern that? How do you practice discernment on knowing those things? That's a weighty question. I, yeah, it is. Yeah. <clears throat> Mark's got it. No. no the well, I was just going to try to fill well, the silence. I, Go you, ahead, Sean. You use the word discernment. <laughs> I mean, I think it's, I think it is, I have, I have to put myself in a posture to be aware, mm-hmm. right? And so um, I, I can become so busy that I'm not aware. I may be taking care of a lot of things, mm-hmm. but I may lose awareness. And I think, I think it's that whole idea of, are we spending time in God's word in, in relationship with him so that when we see a moment and we become aware of a moment where God is at work, are we willing to step into that space or are we just task oriented? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, there, there becomes an awareness and discernment. Um, I, I think there's also within the church because we have different positions and different roles is allowing each person yeah. like bearing the weight together and mm-hmm. so know, knowing hey we can collectively bear different roles and actually accomplish the work so um, there has to be there has to be a trust there um, so there's I think that comes relationally mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. and I think that's where I would my default answer I kind of jump to trust but i went to the sovereignty of god i mean mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. and i know that's a cop out can be but but genuinely feels like a pretty good one if you're doing <laughs> that yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. it, but genuinely like lord give me clarity on what i what i sense you are calling me to do and one let me trust in you when i don't do it exactly all the way fulfill everything that i thought you were calling me to do that you're you're big enough and good enough to to um, work in spite of my incompletion, but also trusting that there are other team members or other believers out there who are doing the, I don't have to do everything. Mm -hmm. I just need to be sensitive to what I sense him doing in me through me today and rest in his goodness and his sovereignty and the other things. Otherwise you do, you just keep grabbing and you keep thinking you'll get off center and you'll get scattered of, no, this is what he's called me to do. I'm going to press in and trust that his sovereignty is enough to cover what I don't do and that those things that are outside of my role. 
Good answer. Huh. Yep. I like that. Presbyterian. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I was going to go more practical. Uh, yeah, and, go ahead. In the sense of, and I don't know if this is good or bad. Could be a cop out. Um, but we live in a world that everybody has their own lane in ministry, uh, and we just run in it. So. I think what would differ in New Testament, first first century uh, church and, and, and our church today is uh, the, the ministers or the, the pastors, they ministered to everybody and they pastored to everybody, like, like just what they did. Well, we have a lead pastor, an executive pastor, a missions pastor, and a groups pastor, and a children's pastor. And it, the list goes on and on and on. And so the lanes get more narrow, but very specific and targeted. And I think that's great. So everybody kind of runs in that lane. Um, I think what would be different, though, is if those titles are stripped away mm-hmm. and denominational lines are, are are gone, or at least blurred at best, um, and we start ministering together in the community or, or in the world in which we live in, then I think it would become a little bit more difficult to say, well, didn't you become jockeying for, for who's going to do what and how's that going to happen? So I think there is some um, wisdom in, in the lanes that we draw, but I also think that... Um, Sometimes we, it, it's the, it's not my job mentality. Um, mm-hmm. So if ministry is needing to happen, we don't run and jump straight into it and say, hey, what can I do? Instead, we think, oh, that's, that's next gen stuff. I need to go call Sean. Or that, that's group stuff. That, uh, Mark needs to go handle that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And so I think we miss out and it becomes more organizational than ministry. Mm. And that's a sad thing when it comes mm. to that. I think for me, as I listen to us, the, I had two thoughts. One is, I think it's a Tim Tim Keller quote. He's pretty smart. Yeah, he, but it was, somebody asked him, how did you know Redeemer was going to be this? How did you know it was God's will? And he said, well, if it, it was either going to work or it wasn't going to work. Yeah. And I wouldn't <laughs> know until a few years yeah. in. That's right. The, the, the takeaway for me was a reminder. Um, I think for me, discernment means practicing. And so yeah. I think where we if we practice, we should expect failure. And that is not a grave mortal sin, but a, huh. Okay. Yeah. If you learn from right. it. Right. <laughs> that didn't work. Let's try this. But yeah. I think some of us grow up in a church setting where we believe if we obey God, it should work out and bear fruit exactly like we yeah. think it's going to, rather than it may be less about the fruit and more about the practice Process. and submission. Mm-hmm. That's the fruit that he's looking for in us. Yeah, that's a good learn. word because yeah. a lot of times I grew up th- being pretty fatalistic in my my thought process. And I don't know if anybody taught that, but it, it really is what I thought. So, for example, that if I didn't make the right decision, mm. it would then forever put me on a path of wrong decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I needed to mm-hmm. wrestle really uh, anxiety-driven mm-hmm. way that was going to cause me to say, well, if, what should I do? Should I do it? And then you you get into that you know, paralysis by analysis mm-hmm. of, I can't make a decision. I don't want to make a decision because I don't want to make the wrong decision. Right. But when we understand the grandeur of God and his goodness applied to all the mistakes that we make, there's a sense that, you know, what Keller said is applied to all of our life. Well, how do you know this is the right decision? I don't know. We're, we'll know soon enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let, yeah. let's go. Like, I think you can measure in, in generalities in the sense of, okay, if you have two two options in front of you and both are good options which one are you going to take the one you like the most right like you don't you don't need to throw out the fleece to see if this one or that one but here's yeah that's exactly right but the way i was um the way i understood god's will growing up was there's one or the other yeah and if you were sensitive enough or good enough or heard the holy yeah. spirit enough yeah. you would pick the right one that's right yeah. 
And so the the whole journey of a believer for me, and I used to teach this when I was a student pastor, teach against it, but the whole journey for me was high pressure, what's the next rock to cross the river? Mm-hmm. And if I don't hit the right rock, I'm going in. You're out. Yep. And so every decision, if I was really following Jesus, I would nail the the correct rock to mm. jump on next. Well, when kids and adults live under that kind of pressure of I've got to do it right, there's no room for failure. There's yeah. no room for the Lord to say, hey, there's there's a couple different journeys you could go here. I know that better than you do. I yeah. just need you to dance with me. Yeah. And I'm going to just walk I'm gonna, with me. I'm going to, if you made a good decision, I'm going to honor and bless mm-hmm. in different ways. Sure. And, right. And I'm gonna get glory either way. You can't mess this That's up. That's right. Right. Yeah. I can't I can't thwart the plan of God. That's right. Like like a if I'm not careful, I'll I'll begin to think in such a way that I'm I'm making myself more powerful than he is. Mm-hmm. And so so even in the failure, now I think I do think in the failure though, do we have a posture of learning? So difference between right? rebellion and that's, failure that's, and that's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Right. And so so are we willing to to understand that when we fall off the rock and we get mm-hmm. wet in the river, you know? God still. God and God is teaching some yeah. me something mm-hmm. and is wanting me to understand something. So in inside of those moments, that's right a, posture. Man, right? we this wasn't even part of the podcast session in the in the pre round, but but going back to that kind of teaching, because uh, I that was part of my growing up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was if it's working, then it must be God's will. Mm-hmm. And if it's not working, then it must not be God's will. Well, we read the the scriptures, and it seems to be total opposite. That most <laughs> of the the um, prophets in the Old Testament, people hated them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People wanted to kill them. People were after them. Yeah. But they were doing exactly what God wanted. Right. And then you had the wicked kings who were filthy rich, and they had everything they wanted. And so, if we apply that to life today, man, we need to understand just because good is happening or what we perceive as good. Doesn't necessarily mean it's God's will mm-hmm. for us. Right. Uh, and just because you're going through a hardship, or just because you failed or continue to fail, doesn't mean God's not doing something in it. Right. That's right. Mm-hmm. A uh, lot of those Old Testament prophets fell off the rock. Golly, didn't they? A lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a whole lot. There's an, another nuance to add to the conversation. As I'm reading through this chapter, there are phrases in here like Paul's. It's all about unity and community, right? So, verse 24. I mean, if I I will see you as I'm passing, uh, enjoying your company, bringing aid to others, making contribution to the poor. If you go down, my favorite ones are in verse 30 and 32, that we will strive together, um, and then I will be refreshed in your company. To me, all this idea of knowing and discerning and practicing all this, the key is it takes place in unity with other believers yeah. and so the benefit we have is not just we make these decisions or these master plans try to gain clarity on our own yeah with one another but we share them with one another that's good how do you I mean how do you guys do that how do you mm. jump in you, you, sorry Jay but you, you, you need to find yourself in smaller circles you need to find yourself in deeper relationships where as you're making these decisions you've got people in your life who are like hey i I can see that you check your fear in that or check your pride in that because sometimes mark you make decisions out of fear and i sense this in you because i know you so well that i pick up on it Mm -hmm. if you don't put yourself in that position where you subject yourself to that kind of feedback um i think you really 
miss out on the one of the joy of community, but also just the the beauty of following God's will in community um, with yeah. people around you. I, I would add to that. Um, I'll point to something. I Mark and I get to work together a lot, and so this is a very practical. But we we don't always see things the exact same way, mm-hmm. but I feel like we get down the road pretty quickly, mm-hmm. and it's because. One is we, we spend some time with one another, but we all have the same goal. Mm-hmm. Like right. so, so you see this that the understanding is our hope and our desire is to advance the gospel. Like we never lose sight of that goal. That that one, That's right. the core unifying thing. We may have different opinions and different uh, perceptions of how to get there, but if we lose sight of that goal that we're on the same team, we're moving in the same direction for the same thing for the glory of God then those perceptions and differences become dividing instead of unifying. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so um, so I think that's so important, even inside of a small group. Mm-hmm. Like you have people along their journey with Christ at different points. And so there's all kinds of different perspectives. There's all kinds of different maturity. There's all kinds of different understanding. And if you lose sight of all for the glory of God and for the mission mm-hmm. he's called us to, then you'll get off track really quickly. And so I, I think, yes, so the community and being able to talk through and discuss, have other people press into your life, the knowing being known, but also for what? And what is the central unifying thing that draws us all together? And that, that should be Christ himself, mm. his glory. And so, so if we remember we're on that journey toward that goal, that becomes the thing that helps us get through the difficult uh, times or the the different perceptions differences. So that's a good picture of unity, mm-hmm. which I think we mm-hmm. we want to continue to go back. That's right. In Romans, is, that's right. Is that's there's unity with those who disagree with us, but there's even a fuller sense of unity in the the Christian community, or your smaller community. What does unity look like in that? Right. It's not just that we don't fight; it's that we're unified in our end goal. That's right. So I trust your perspective, even right. though it's different than mine. Right, because I know where we're going, and that's a that's a cool picture that's of unity absolutely. in the body. One of the be- the benefits I've had over the last few months um, within our small group is the conversations that sound kind of like this. We'll bring a, a decision or a conversation to each other and say, "Hey, here's what I said. Here's what I did," and then they will will ask each other, "Hey, in that decision, tell me the things about that that were Christ honoring or righteous." Mm, that's good. And what do you think were some of the drivers in that decision mm. or that discussion that were your own pride? or your own selfishness or unrighteous things and and create a conversation where we have to examine those things. Um, that's that's really been good. super helpful lately. That's good. Because I'm discovering that every almost every decision I make or every conversation I may have with a friend or a neighbor or my wife or with you guys, a lot of them will have a percentage of mm-hmm. there was some really uh, healthy things in there and then there's just the red of something else and which one was the thing that was driving the mm-hmm. conversation or the yeah. decision. Mm-hmm. Um. Yes, I think I like the way you said that. There's a thread of it, but so many of our decisions, if not all, are tainted by our brokenness. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know that we're a hundred percent pure in our motive nope. in almost anything we do. I, 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 I know I'm not really. I, I can look at every decision and and sense. Okay, there's some good things motivating me here, and then there's some. There's some of my brokenness that's motivating me here. Would you say that would be true, that shotgun you bought, Dara? Oh, let's no, go. No, that was like all about Dara. Okay, good. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 
<laughs> I don't know if we were taking them no, out. No, it had nothing to do with me. <laughs> the mother had my crawfish cooker. There we go. And I, and, and I think that's the beauty of having community is that you can say that out loud. Yeah, yeah, that's, right. And, yeah that's right. Um, at, at the same time, community is not the end goal. Right, community, yeah. glory of God, and that's right. the good uh-huh. of our communities. That's it's the, not the end; it's the means. To it's get to it's the a end. necessary yeah. ingredient that God has prescribed for us. That's right. Yeah, to become healthier. That's, that's right. But you can't get. It'll be a lot harder to get to the end as of the accomplished task without it. I yeah. mean, I think that's his point of the community and the unity, and he's begging for it essentially because he says, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Christ's name, we've got to do this. And the implication is. If you don't, if we're not united, we will never accomplish what has been trusted to uh-huh. us. Right. Mm. That's good. Okay, That's good. last question, and we'll get out of here. Um, if you were dreaming a year from now, what would you what would you pray the Holy Spirit does in Broadmoor as a church body striving together, being refreshed together, um, living some of these things out, kind of relationships? What would you What would you dream? Typical Neil question. I like that. Oh, I'm so sorry. I could go with a, a different one. <laughs> <laughs> so say say it one more time. What would you dream the Holy Spirit does a work in our church mm-hmm. over the next year as we're learning how to become more like this, of striving together, being fresh by each other, having unity? What would you dream? What would our neighbors see in us? For me, it would be an, an engagement to to the world. An engagement to the lost, an engagement, but a, a very strategic gospel engagement. So not just come to church and be happy we came, not just be trained or learn for the sake of training and learning, mm-hmm. but to actually engage our lost friends, to to have dinners where we invite strategic people to sit at our tables in our homes and have very real and targeted conversations that aren't, hey, you heathen, you're going to go to hell if you don't answer mm-hmm. this question rightly. But I love you. You are an image bearer. You may not even know what that means yet, but I want to tell you a little bit about what I believe that means about you. I believe that God has a great plan for your life. I believe all of these beautiful things, but it all is through the person, the work of Jesus Christ, right? So, so very targeted and an engagement in our community. That's cool. That's what I would. Think. And that's okay. I mean, I guess if you're going to go. Nah. <laughs> Others. I, I think mine's a two stepper, so give me patience. Back on the rocks. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I, I would, I would love for Broadmoor to be the church that's just known for the way we genuinely love people, which is similar to what yeah. you're saying, but across the board, the way we love people within our life groups, the way we love our families, the way we love the people in our neighborhoods, where it's it's not just the task that we do. Mm-hmm. We don't check mark serve or check mark share the gospel or create something in our to-do list that says we've got to invite somebody over to our house, but there's a genuine hospitality and love for people. Where does that come from? We stand pretty firm on the conviction that the Lord uses his word to transform us. Mm -hmm. So I think the baseline for that will be, do do we have a hunger for the word? Are we studying? Do we understand? Are we leading our kids in the word? Right. So there's a there's a biblical yeah. foundation that I hope that we do over the next year. But it, the 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 lead that that will lead to man just we just love people because yeah. he's done a work in our heart. I think mine would be I'm kind of circling around Philippians two right now and the idea of I think I would dream of all of us emptying ourselves of things that are no longer necessary 
to the mission of the gospel and we see evidence of giving those things away mm-hmm. in, in practical yeah. ways um, and go, man, those things were so unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, That's I think good. for me, it's along that same as, as families, you mentioned engaging the word as, as families in our church, I think there's such a pressure to try to, as parents have all the answers in the midst of a culture that is constantly just smashing against family, mm-hmm. right? Um, to see families sitting in such a posture that they they don't feel defeated and they don't feel like they're scrambling to figure it out, but to be settled mm. in the confidence that they can find in Christ, mm-hmm. like to know like this is going to be a journey. There's going to be struggle, but we have solid hope because of who Christ is. Good. I, I think I think to see families get there that and and then that as a result then becomes a fruit that things begin to flow out of that mm-hmm. um, to your community, uh, to other families in partnership. Like, but I, I think there's so much right now for our families that it's just it is. I feel like I feel like families are grasping mm-hmm. and but to know that they have a confidence and can have a confidence in in their Lord and in his word and, and what he's called them to. So Good. Good. All right, last thing. We get to end with one thing we missed about Mike Hate today. Oh! One thing you missed about Mike Hate. <sighs> you know the practical one? You're sitting right next to me. Yeah. So I can't turn and keep my mouth on the mic. So I like right. I couldn't see you the whole podcast. So you missed what about Mike? Mike sits, sits on the there. other side, so I, can, I got eye contact. Seeing him? I miss seeing him. He is pretty. Yeah. <laughs> Prettiest man I ever saw. What a movie. <laughs> <laughs> tombstone. Sounds like tombstone. Come on, people. Is it tombstone? Okay. Oh yeah, for the the guy Neil. who. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. you so. hmm. I, I hate I didn't get that reference. One nah, of my favorite I'm movies so disappointed ever. in you. Goodness gracious! <laughs> I, I miss that rich baritone voice from my tape. Yeah, his voice. Right. He has, has such a great voice for podcast. What you got, Brady? Man, well, I mean, it, I think it's got to be his hair since y'all took the voice. And... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, yeah. All right, you guys. Hey, you'll have a great day. Love Chase you guys. is looking Love at you guys. us like, please shut up. This has been a production of Broadmoor Baptist Church. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with others and don't forget to subscribe. To help us spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe as well. They can find us wherever they prefer to get their podcasts. And if you'd like more information about Broadmoor, please visit our website at broadmoor.org or connect with us on your favorite social media platform where we're listed as at mybroadmoor. Thanks for listening.